Saving usually means lowering your expectations, settling for less. But no one ever got less than thought, good for me. Now you can save on all your favorite stuff without giving anything up. Surf, swipe, and stream as much as you want with WOW Internet for only $34.99 a month. With our two-year price lock guarantee, these are savings you can count on. And when you sign up today at WOWWay.com, get a $100 Visa prepaid reward card. Wow. Offer for new customers with a two-year agreement. Auto pay and paperless billing. Equipment, taxes, and fees extra subject to change. Restrictions apply. Man, I want to welcome you back to Dream Chasers Radio. I am Yaya Diamond. I'm your host. And thank you again so much for tuning in. We have such great people here. And the next person is an author. But before we get with her, I wanted to thank you again. You know that you can reach us every Monday through Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We also have Shout Out Saturday going on now. And that's going really, really good. I am so impressed with the people that are coming on that show and the music and the caliber of just all the people that are applying to be on that Shout Out Saturday. If you want to do that, all you have to do is contact me at dreamchasersradio at gmail.com. Also, we have our spiritual guidance day, which is Sundays at 8 p.m. every Sunday with Quenisha Lemon. I want to thank the next guest. Not only is she a guest, but she is a doctor. So give her her props because I know what it takes to get that doctor before your name. I want to welcome Dr. Lucy Papillon. Tell me about yourself. And I know you're an author. So tell me about your book and, and everything. I mean, when did you decide to write the book? You know, I was sitting at a conference and a woman next to me said, well, have you ever had any, any uh, you know, harassment of any kind? And I said, you know what? I'll have to tell you a story about that. And then she said, you need to deal with that because, I mean, not deal with it because I've dealt with it, but, I mean, you need to speak about it, speak about it, because other people have had different kinds of experiences, but all, so many people have had experiences with mm-hmm. sexual harassment and, yes. and sexual abuse and all that. And so it was really at a conference where somebody, you know, kind of urged me to do it and, then I started thinking about all the times I've had sexual experiences, mm-hmm. or at least harassment, and just been, I was mortified of how many there were. So wow. that's why I put my own experience in the book. Mm-hmm. And the book is called How Dare You? Insidious Ways Women Are Mistreated. Subtitle, The Me Too Movement, A Memoir, Experiences of Others, How to Heal. You know, I truly understand where you're coming from because you know and I have to be kind of comical with it too because if you're hot you know what I'm saying but anyways (laughs) but it is bad because you don't think that way you know you're meeting people you're doing your job you're doing everything you can to get ahead to make a living just like anybody else in this world and all of a sudden you're treated like a piece of meat you know 
And, and right. it, it must have been difficult. Was it difficult to write this? And why? Oh, you know what? It was, it was very difficult. But part of the difficulty was that I didn't realize that it started as a child. Hmm. You know, because I was a minister's daughter. So I was, ex- you know, exposed to lots and lots of ministers. It was a, a big city. And every one of those ministers would, you know, hug me too tight, say awful things in my ear or or push their pelvis on me, you know. I hope that's okay to say. But they were really awful. And uh, I didn't even realize how long I'd been experiencing it and how much I'd been dealing with it. You know, I just thought it was kind of like, well, that's what you do. You just let them do it, you know. Wow. Uh, yeah, no. And then when I, uh, I guess the experience that I talked to that woman at the conference about is the most powerful, and in, in not in the sense that he, you know, well, there's two of them, and one of them was at the conference. The other one, I, of course, of course, would have remembered and horrified by it. But hmm. the one from the conference was that I um, went to a, I, I, I want, of course, I wanted to get into graduate school, the PhD program, and I had never made a B in my life. I had never ever. And I had summa cum laude as a, as a you know junior, and you know that's a high honor as, if you're doing well in school. Mm-hmm. And so um, there was nothing, nothing in my um, resume or whatever you you know in my application that would imply of not you know. So I I almost knew I was going to you know get in some school. So so I I put this letter in you know in a publication. Mm-hmm. And this man said, I mean, not the man, a letter actually said, you are not, uh, you know, you're not going to be in this school. You're rejected. And I was crying and I, I walked away and I, my head down. And of course, a man, not a woman, came up to me and said, no, turn around and go right back in there and say, how come with all my credentials, I am not being accepted at this at this university? And mm-hmm. Said, oh, I can't do that. And he said, turn around, go in there, and ask. So I went in there to the director and I said, could you just please tell me how come I wasn't accepted? And he said, oh, the committee, all of us, they were all men, all of us on the committee said, oh, she's gotten everything on a silver platter because she's beautiful and sexy and this and and we're not going to we're not going to condone that or we're not going to forward that thinking or, or accept her because she's always been accepted too easily. I started bawling. I couldn't help it. I was like, Oh my gosh. I have worked for every single thing I have ever gotten. I've never, ever gotten anything for free or easily. And he looked very embarrassed and he went, Oh my gosh. You know, it was just, you know, it was such a um, blow to me to have anybody even think that. But also it was, I realized that it was something men just think that all women, you know, get in because of what they wear, you know, Hmm. sexy or this or that, you know, which is, of course, not true. But so anyway, I was accepted and he became a friend of mine and all that stuff. But if you don't mind. Let me just tell you the other one why I'm thinking. It's not why I'm thinking about it, but why yeah. we're on this. 
I was um, I was already a psychologist, and I would go to this church, which is up north uh, in California, because that's where I'm from in Southern California. So when I went up to Northern, every time I could, because there was this wonderful church, wonderful minister, and I loved the music, the ministry, the minister, and, and just in terms of what he's talked about, and it was very spiritual. So I went in, and uh, I, ever, I would always say to him, you know, that was really wonderful. I just got so much out of it in, in the whole service. Mm-hmm. So one day I went down there and into the pulpit, I mean, uh, front of the church, and I said, um, I really loved that. And he said, would you like to have dinner sometime? I said, well, sure. And he said, how about tonight? And I said, well, yeah, I'm still in town. I could do that. So he said, well, just, you know, come to my hotel and call me when you get there. So I called him, and he said, no, just come on up to my room, and then we'll go eat, which was huge mistake, but I, I I, still had such an innocence. So I went up there, and I knocked on the door. He came to the door with nothing on except a silk bathrobe. Oh, my gosh. I was like, and then he, then, he, then he pulled me in, and he said, sit in my lap. I said, no. And he said, come on, sit in my lap. I said, no. And I, and I just inched toward the door, ran out, and my, my heart was beating really fast. Uh, that, that was just Oh, awful. my gosh. So, needless to say, I decided not to go to that church anymore. Well, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, now, I mean, you know, as a, you know, the experiences that we both have are, are pretty cool in, in terms of teaching other people what not to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What not to do. Don't, don't go up to a hotel, no matter right. who it is. Right. You know, uh, I had. You think trust a minister. Right. You know, and they, and they want it, you know, at Harvey Weinstein, you know, they want the job. They want the, you know, him to mm. produce. Um, and so, you know, I mean, you think they're on the up and up because, you know, after all, they got in this position, but oh, oh, oh. no, no. Yeah. And I've had that experience, not like that, but I've had the, the hit on experience of, hey, baby, come here. You know, I've had the experience of, you know, I'm a musician. So they they bring me in. They said, you know what? Uh, if you do something for me, then I can make you a star. And I'm like, what? I was like, what, 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 wait, what? I mean, I don't, I don't, I no, no. And I had to walk out and I was like, that's the end of that contract or agreement or whatever that was. I did have someone on the opposite end. It was a woman. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't sexual harassment, but it was the guy brought me in to, to do an interview or some kind of an audition. Nice uh-huh. gentleman. Nice guy. He wasn't hitting on me or anything. Just, you know, casting agency or whatever. And, you know, I got there and the guys there were hitting on me, but they were hitting on me subtly. When I got inside, the people looked at me and they said, I'm so sorry. You're too ethnic looking for this job. Oh, oh. Yeah. And so I've had it both ways. I've had, you're too ethnic looking and... Oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. Your skin. You're just beautiful. 
can you come over here? I'll do you so. I, you do something for me. I'll do something for you. I've had that. Yep. So on the both ends, but it's like that, that one thing really hurt me. And it was many, many, many years ago. And that's what put me into depression for eight years. And then I started this podcast to come out of depression. So okay. yeah, cause I was confused. It was like one end of the spectrum. I'm sexy. I'm desirable, but I don't want to be that kind of person that, that does that to get ahead, you know? And on mm-hmm. the other end of the spectrum, I'm ugly. I'm too ethnic looking. I'm too dark, too black, whatever. Mm. And so I was, I was totally depressed. Where do you fit in? You know? So the Me Too movement, I think, confuses some people too. It's like on one end you're beautiful and on the other end you're not. Mm-hmm. You know? It's, it's, and so yeah. it makes people go into a deep depression. It really does. It really does. And being a psychologist, I mean, it, does that make you vulnerable in any way with your patients? No, in fact, what's happened is that I've had more women, people, especially women, Uh of course, all women, come in and, you know, I'll look at them and I'll say, have you been sexually abused? And I'll say, well, how did you know? And I'll say, I I don't know. It was just an intuitive sense. But, you know, it's like like I know. When you've had it, you know it from someone else. Mm. So it it makes me an even better psychologist because I am, I remember when I first started being a psychologist years ago, and I was, um, I hadn't gotten my PhD yet, I was still, you know, interning, and this man came in one day, and he sat down, and he said, "Um, you know, I can't have therapy here because you're too beautiful. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I just said, oh, well, <clears throat> what do you say, you know? Say, well, I'm okay. But uh, I wasn't going to say I'm sorry. But right. <laughs> well, but, well, sexual abuse is very bad. I mean, I've been molested and raped before the age of 14, and it's um, it was really hard for me to, to really kind of come out of it. But understanding uh, that I was... Um, in in high school, I had peer counseling, and so for the first year, they teach you about counseling. Oh, good. and it was really good back. They don't have that now, but we had two periods. I had two periods for my from tenth grade to twelfth grade where I counseled other kids going mm-hmm. through everything. I mean, literally everything. Um, this is before they put DCF into those offices, and now the kids don't talk. Um, but uh, but we used to counsel each other. I think that helped me get past the the rape. It got you know it get it helped me get past the molestation because I understood it, it wasn't me. It wasn't my fault. Did your parents know? My mom doesn't know to this day. If she heard today, then she knows about the molestation, but not the rape. Oh. But the rape was kind of like before before they 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 came up with the term date rape. That's what that was. Oh, yeah, it was more like it wasn't consensual. I kind of froze when it was happening. Like, I couldn't believe it was happening. Mm. And then all of a sudden it was done. Oh, God. Ugh. You know, and it was like, I know I just never wanted to see that person again. But I remember going through the counseling sessions with people that had had that happen to them. And I remember me telling them, it's not you. It's the psychology of that person. It's just evil. Mm-hmm. And it's not your fault. 
you know, and I was able to pull myself out because of that year of counseling that I had in ninth grade. And then I was, you know, counseling other people. I was able to bring myself out of that. But not everybody has that, especially now, you know. So, yeah, so sexual sexual assault is terrible. I mean, do you, is it, is it hard for you to come up with examples? I, I doubt it. I really do doubt it. it's hard no, for you to come up with no. examples. I mean, mm. Oh my gosh. That's terrible. Uh, you know, it's just so awful that, um, that so many women are exposed to that still. Uh, but you know, I can't just say women. There's a man that just started coming to me and he was raped mm. or assaulted sexually by all of his father's friends. Can you imagine? Oh my gosh, no. I mean, really. I mean, and he, you know what he did? He just went home and he got, turned down all the shades and he sat in the dark for over a year. Ate and and just sat there. He didn't do anything. He didn't talk to his friends. Thank God he started coming out just recently. And thank God he came to therapy because, you know, therapy is the only way to get past this. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you can't just ignore it. You Mm -mm. can't just deny it. You can't just sit there and think it's going to go away. Why do certain, why do women, why don't they talk about it though? I mean, you know, it's like, it is sad, but why don't you say something? You know, why didn't I say something? I I think maybe, and then now let me go internally. I think because I was a counselor at school, I didn't need to say anything to anybody. I kind of worked my way through it myself, understanding the situation, going through every, everything that was taught to do. But most people aren't taught this. What, what? And why don't they say something? You know, I think that's a great question because it's really, um, for some, it's embarrassment. For some, it's like, oh, I I can just play like it didn't happen. I'm not going to make it bigger by talking about it. You know, things like that. Or people are going to say it's my fault and, you know, all those kinds of things. Mm. You know, like, what, what were you wearing that day, you know? Or how did you lure him on? Oh, or, my gosh. But uh, I just hate it that they feel like it's there to blame somehow. So Yeah. Like you said, it's not your fault. It's not. Some don't realize that. Yeah, no. You know, when I was molested at 11, I remember the situation. I had, My mom had just bought me cabbage patch nightgown it was like it was purple it was cute with a little cabbage patch face on it i <laughs> loved it it was like cabbage patch dolls were the big thing right. and right. i went to take a shower and my mom was in the room and you know uh she was she had the door closed so she was in the room getting whatever she was doing and i had just finished taking the shower um i had you know did all brush my teeth whatever and went to bed i woke up screaming And then I heard somebody run after I started screaming. They ran, and they and it was my mom's boyfriend. He sat down on the couch. He was panting. And I was bleeding everywhere. I imagine. Oh, I, God. I went to my mom, and I told my mom, and she locked me in the room. And the next thing you know, you hear a bunch of screaming from a guy. Then <laughs> <laughs> you hear the door slam. And then my mom comes in the room and she says, we're leaving. 
Yeah, she 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 did believe you. Yeah, I mean she had to with all that blood. Yeah, and, everything. and so um, and so that was pretty much you know how do you say to an eleven year old girl, oh, it must have been what you were wearing. Yeah, you see did what you I'm coming from? That cabbage patch nightgown. I know, right? Come on, it was purple. It was the cutest thing I mean, ever. Right, yeah. Yeah, excuse me, what? <laughs> and when I was 14, I was in jeans and a sweatshirt, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, so it, neither, to, neither time I was wearing anything provocative. So, you you know, man, men, they go to the next thing, the next level of what they're thinking. Well, maybe it was what you were wearing. Well, maybe it's what you think I was wearing. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> but it wasn't what you, you know. So, I mean, you know, what? It's terrifying, okay? This is terrifying because to me, like I said, I was able to work it out and talk about it. But what is a silence breaker in your book? What Talk about some of these things that people can actually do to break the silence. Well, I had a woman, this is an experience that I have in my book, and it was the worst one. And uh, this woman was um, pregnant. And she had, and her, her, um, she got cancer. So she was in the hospital, pregnant, having a chemo treatment. Her husband walked in and raped her. Oh. I mean, there's nothing you can call it but rape. He was raping her, and she said, and she of course screamed and said, "Stop it! Stop it!" And um, he said to her, "No, I have to have it every day in order to work." Well. You know, in her case, of course, she divorced him and uh, had the little boy, you know, by herself, which was great because now she, you know, is raising that little child. But she still has to have him talk to the boy because it's his son, and he can't stand the man, and of course she can't. So, you know, it's it's all about uh, being willing the word willing, being mm-hmm. willing to come in and talk about that, the most horrible experience in her life, to be willing to do whatever she can, you know, trying to, um, well, she took him to court and, and got, you know, uh, uh, what do you call that, extended, uh, where, where they can't see each other. Oh, oh, I don't know. Oh, um, uh. Oh gosh, we're it's um it's um we're both talking all Yeah, I know, right? Um anyway, restriction or something like that. You can't see her. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know what so, you're talking about. I just can't remember remember yeah. what it's called. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing she did was move. Move far away from him. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't live in the same state as she does now. So, you know, they do all kinds of things to to try to heal or to try to you know get out of the situation a move or some of them though unfortunately rationalize it wasn't that bad oh my gosh he just did it once he won't mm-hmm. do it again you know those kinds of things right so some stay you know like they've been sexually abused emotionally abused and some of them have come in to me and said I don't understand why I stayed so long looking back. Right. But when we're in, the, in it, you know, it's like it's like I wrote a book, a book before this one, 
and it was called When Hope Can Kill, mm. Reclaiming Your Soul in a Romantic Relationship. And I realized that I was doing the same thing. He was emotionally abusing me. He mm. was pushing me down and, and trying to, you know, uh, sexually abuse me. And I kept thinking, oh, it won't happen again. I hope it doesn't happen again. I really hope he doesn't do that tonight. It's the same thing as if they're drinking. You know, I hope he doesn't drink tonight. Well, he's been drinking for 20 years. What mm. do you think? You know, mm. so I, I found a, a, I found a definition of hope that was so powerful. It's called, and I had to go to a huge library and get in one of those big dictionaries. And I, I looked down and I finally found it. Postponed disappointment. Oh my gosh! Wow! Wow! You just keep hoping. So I never use that word. I always say, "I trust. I trust you'll be okay on this trip, or I trust this." But I never say, "I hope," right. because it's so, so passive. It is. It's, it definitely is. Yeah. Wow, doctor. I mean, we could be here literally <laughs> for hours talking about this because this is a very touchy subject. But your book. Your book deals with a lot, and I really, really, um, you know, tell people, where can they get your book? They can get my book at Amazon or Barnes & Noble, um, um, places like that where you can always get online books. Go to my website. You can get it off of that. You can other, see the other books I've written. You can see my practice and what I do and use spirituality, things like that. Wow. We're Dr. Papillon. Thank you again so much for being on the show. You guys know the drill. All you have to do is go into the description box below the interview, grab and paste or click if the the highlight, if it's highlighted, if the link is highlighted, grab that link, go ahead and go to that page and look it up. You know, what would be your suggestion because, you know, the one thing that I know for a fact is the most dangerous moment of any abusive relationship is when the person that is the abused decides to leave. That's right. That's what, right. yes, what do you suggest to that person? What do you, what do you say to them? I, well, I say to them, do it. Do it very slowly. Pack your bag, but you don't have it, and you have it in your trunk of your car. You you um, remember everything about you know what you what you need, and then you leave when he's at work. You leave when he's on a trip. You leave at a time he's not there, mm -hmm. because otherwise you will be very sorry. Yeah, because. He's dangerous, and he'll get more dangerous if you try to leave. Don't, you know, change your number or put it, put block his number, you know, all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to be careful, very careful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you know, when we left, it was, there was nobody to contest us leaving. We just left. And yeah. I think that's a big yeah. deal. you got to leave when no one's around. Absolutely. Um, uh, I had a friend of mine who was abused in a relationship and the way okay. she left was she left her main clothes. She, she restructured her closet with all the things she wasn't taking. 
and all the things that she did take, she left it at her friend's house. When right. he went to work, she left. So when he came home, he thought, oh, she's out. She's at the store or something. Yeah. He didn't think that she wasn't there because she left everything that she wasn't taking in a specific spot that looked like she hadn't gone anywhere. That's a really, really good idea, too, is mm -hmm. to just have it at the front of the closet. And, right. You know, looks like everything's fine. Yep. And so when they get home, there's no suspicion that you mm -hmm. left. And you can you can go far away. Further away, yeah. You can get yeah. further away. You have more time to get further away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's sad, but it's true. Dr. Pap, you know, Papillon, thank you again so much. I'm, you know, it's been, it's been one of those episodes that took me back a little bit. But it also takes me forward to be thankful to be with a person who share I share my life with that doesn't do all the things that I know he could do. Mm -hmm. But he, he's very respectful. Very, very, very. And so I'm very thankful for the life I have now um, and for the person I found. I told myself, you probably going to go, oh my gosh. But I told myself, if I ever had a man that did that to me, he better not fall asleep because I'm not <laughs> going to take that anymore. Because, <laughs> right. you know, yep. you fall asleep around me. Oh, it's over. It's over. You know, yep. you might find it down the block somewhere. <laughs> so... You've been so great. Thank you so oh, much. Thank yeah. you, Dr. Papillon, again. It's such a touchy subject, but we have to face it. And again, you guys, if you need any assistance, are you available um, to talk over the phone with people? Are yes, you available? I do that all the time. I have some patients in Germany that I talk to. Awesome. So, sure. Awesome. Yeah, so so I, I will call. definitely... Definitely put your website in the browser in the description box below. If right. look, women, if you have an issue, you need someone to talk to. It's a confidentiality thing. It's not going any oh. further than her records, and it won't go any further with me either, because I too am a counselor as well as as her. Because we've been doing it so long, I've been doing it since high school, you know, yeah. and so um, it stays with us. It stays with her. Uh, talk. Break the silence. Figure break out what you're going to do. Definitely. Did you know there's a Time magazine and it, and it was the front cover uh, for people of the year? It was 12 women they called the Silence Breakers. Mm. And that's a perfect title, Silence Breakers. Wow. It was Time magazine's front cover wow. about two years ago. Wow. All right. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, don't forget, you guys, you know, don't follow the status quo. Dare to be different. Dare to be different. All right. All right.